get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Former NHL player, current NHL Network analyst Mike Johnson joining us here on the show. You can watch Mike on NHL now weekdays at 3 o'clock throughout the regular season. Mike, we always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? I am doing very well. Busy day, busy day. I'm, I'm just trying to track what's going on in Columbus right now between Patrick Liney getting benched and Miko Koivu just retired apparently two minutes ago. <laughs> um, lots happening in uh, in the world of John Tortorella and in the NHL as well. well I was going to say, man, we, we booked you at the worst time, Mike, with everything <laughs> going on in the NHL because, of, of course, in St. <laughs> Louis, they have more postponed games, and now they're shifting things around. The Blues are playing the Arizona Coyotes for seven straight games what do you make of this NHL season so far with these postponements? You got guys retiring. You got 56 games mm-hmm. scheduled in what seems like two months for how much these games are being played. This is a crazy year, man. Well, that sums it up, though. Hasn't that been our existence the last 12 months? It's yeah. a crazy time. It's straight up. It's, and, and, and we all have had to roll with the punches in our lives and our jobs and everything else, the kids in school, and it's nothing's been like anything we ever would have imagined and teams like I couldn't even fathom any situation ever where the same two teams would play each other seven times in a row in a regular season. But here we are. And somehow it seems like, well, I guess it's feasible, although it's so strange. Um, You know, it's not ideal. I don't think for the players, not ideal for the fans, not ideal for the game to play this many times to be that, you know, you're basically spending two weeks, and, and, you know, an eighth of your season it, it, playing the same team in a row. It, it's just, it's hard to get a gauge for what you're doing as a team and an individual and all those things. But I've tried to become a little more Zen-like <laughs> about this whole thing, because I'm not going to lie to you. When Dallas pulled out before the season even started, I had that visceral, come on, what are you guys doing? Got to be smarter. What are you out of the bar? What are you the rest? Like that kind of anger and frustration. Like, how could this happen? It's this ridiculous and yet, I think we know now it's not like things like that will happen, and it's not anyone's fault for doing something irresponsible. It's just the reality of where we are in North America right now. And so I've come to be far more accepting of the strangeness of what's happening, whether it's cancellations, whether it's guys getting pulled out of lineups, whether it's teams playing each other seven times in a row. 
it's just what it's going to have to be until it doesn't have to be that way. And, and I can only hope that that will be next fall. It'll be up and running. The fans will be full and everyone will be vaccinated and life will be somewhat closer to normal. But until then, and I think the players feel this way. Like, I know the players don't love playing the same team that many times. Ago. I know the players don't love having to travel and sit in their rooms and never go out, and never be at a restaurant, and doing the same thing at home as much as they can. But they're almost accepting of it because of the extraordinary circumstances that we're all living through. Mike, I did want to follow up on that because I think we can all agree seven times in a row is is just too much. Like this is I, I'm yeah. I'm kind of done with Arizona for a number of different reasons, which we'll get into a few of those here in a little bit. But I'm done with watching the Blues against Arizona. That being said, I am kind of a fan of these three game series. Maybe you could push it to four, but three games in particular, I kind of enjoy. What have you thought about the series style that we've seen so far this year? If we exclude kind of the outliers where like the blues, you're going to play seven times. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. Seven is crazy. So two and three has been interesting because it's so unique Um, on ice. I think it's been, it's been fun to follow storylines from one game to the next and see how one team reacts to having lost and adjustments and that kind of stuff on the ice does, make it a little bit more compelling. And and we have seen a little bit of animosity sometimes grow, which is never a bad thing. So I don't mind that. Uh, Watching it, I don't mind the product on the ice. Problem becomes, well, if there's fans in the building, like fans don't want to go watch the same team twice in a row. If you're a season ticket holder, you want to watch, you know, Arizona come through once every few months, not two times in a row or three times in a row. And certainly as a player right now, you don't want to be sitting in the same city for five days in a row doing nothing sitting in your hotel room, or even if you're allowed out in the world with normal, you kind of like the pace of the NHL season as a player when you're on the ice is fun. Like you play, you go to a city, you go a new city, restaurant, play, new city, restaurant, play. And, it, and it's part of the kind of what keeps it so fresh. But uh, watching it this year, I don't mind the two or three. I think seven is, you know, unusually ridiculous. But two or three I can live with for this year. I know some players like the easier travel, not having to fly after every game. Uh, I, I'm just not sure if it would make sense kind of financially in sales and, and, and ticket sales uh, for, for clubs to have to play the same team multiple times in a row at home. Mike, I'm curious from the Blues perspective because we've seen the best of this Blues team and the worst of this Blues team in the last three seasons. Of course, the best being that Stanley Cup. And right now, I think it's hard for people to identify what kind of team is on the ice. I, I'm sure you've seen enough of the Blues already this season at NHL Network. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts right now on what's going on within that Blues locker room and on the ice? Um, I think I think they're really good. You know, I think this is, you know, they're probably not the most talented team in the NHL. They're probably not the favorite to win a Stanley Cup, but they are absolutely a team that is capable of, of going far in the playoffs. And if everything went great, they could get to a Stanley Cup and all of that. Um, you know, they still are a team that is going to make it hard on you physically. They're going to play a system try to be very structured defensively, um, even though you know the goals against is probably not exactly where they want it. Uh, some of that has to do with the backup goalie that they maybe need to address as the season goes along. Um, but, but I think they are, you know, they're, they're similar in their philosophy and their identity as they have been, but you know, they're missing, you know, they're missing Tarasenko and one of their best players. And they're going to miss Alex Petrangelo, one of their best players. They're going to miss Jake Allen, you know, a really quality goaltender. So they, they're missing some pieces that may make them more vulnerable. But in this league, when you know what you're going to get every night of the team and, and the kind of 
style and energy and commitment to the physicality in the system, that's half the battle. Like, you know who St. Louis is, and, and you know they're going to make you go work for it. And yeah, I, I think they'll be in there. I think it's very important, though, and it's not lost on everyone out West. If you can finish first, that means, well, you might get Arizona, which would be insane. But <laughs> Please no, please no. Uh-uh. Yeah. No more. Mercy. So I don't know what's worse, facing Arizona again. But like, if you can avoid Vegas or Colorado, because that one, two, three seed, mm-hmm. if you're the two, three, and you have to play Vegas or Colorado in the first round, that's a Stanley Cup legitimate contender going home in the first round, just because of the way that the, the divisions are aligned this year. So um, trying to push for that first overall, and it's going to be tough because Vegas and Colorado are both very good. Um, would serve the Blues well because that's going to be a really difficult matchup. They would likely be the underdog in whoever they play against that first round if it's Vegas. Mike, or am, I, am I crazy if I prefer those though? Like I'm done with this Arizona Coyotes team. They have just, for whatever reason, they seem to have the Blues <laughs> number. And I know they're not as good as those teams you just mentioned. Vegas is much, much, much better. Colorado, much more skilled, especially whenever they get back to full health. But the Coyotes have now won nine of the last 13 games against the Blues. I don't want to see this team anymore after this week. Am I crazy for not wanting to see them in the playoffs, even more so than Vegas or Colorado? Yeah, I think you're crazy. I think you are. (laughs) I tell them that all the time, Mike. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. You've not heard that. It's not the first time you've heard that today. No, but I mean, you know. You got to be careful what you wish for, but like I would always prefer to play the the, the the less talented team, the team I have a better chance of winning, even if my track record's not great against them. Um, and you got to remember, uh, you know, as sick as you are of, of Arizona and the success they've had right now, like they pulled one out of their hat last night on a last second goal and a shoot. Like you know, I still think they would rather play Arizona than go in and try to beat Vegas in the first round. Uh, and you also won't see now after this week. What do we have? We're going to have one, two and a half months before we're going to, before yeah. we have to see Arizona again, potentially. <laughs> so maybe absence will make your heart grow a little bit fonder. Um, but they clearly are a tough matchup because what Arizona brings uh, and what St. Louis probably doesn't like is that they give a little bit of St. Louis right back at them and that they're very structured, very defensive. They don't give you many looks. They have excellent goaltending and they kind of make you, make you earn it. So the games are always tight and, and they're always kind of uncomfortable and you never really feel like you're in control because Arizona makes the game be played that way. Mike, I'm curious because right now the Blues, at least the talk around the Blues, is the fact that their special teams are struggling. And you've played on both sides of the special teams. You've played on the penalty kill. You've played on the power play. When things aren't going well for a power play unit, what needs to happen for things to start clicking? Uh, Well, I mean, I think generally speaking, uh, for a power play to work, first and oftentimes the greatest challenge is getting the puck in the offensive zone and getting set up properly. You know, like most teams, once they're there, like they're going to move it around to where they want and get a shot in some capacity. Now different teams have different caliber shooters, but getting in and getting set up is, is a challenge. So that would be the primary focus. Like how often do we waste time trying to get the puck in the offensive zone to get to where we want to go? And then the ability to be fluid in where you want to attack from. And, and I think, you know, this is where teams might get stuck where you got Mike Hoffman over there and you're, you're always going to try to let him take a shot because he's, he's such a great shooter. Well, you know, Washington's dealt with that for 15 years. Teams have been taking OB away. But when you take Ovechkin away, well, then you attack somewhere else. You play a four-on-three down low or you work in the slot or you work some other angle. The best power plays, once they're capable of getting in the zone, then it's fluid and they attack from different spots and it's not a static thing where guys are standing around 
trying to say, okay, I'm going to pass it to you, you're going to pass it to him, and he's going to shoot. Because that's easy for the penalty kill. And anything that's easy for the penalty kill will result in an ineffective power play. So maybe just being a little more creative and attacking from different areas um, once you're set up would go a long way to kind of get the power play back on track. Last question that I've got for Mike Johnson here on 101 ESPN. Mike, one thing that I'm very curious about for not just the here and now, but for the long term, I was talking about this with Alex off air a little while ago. I love Craig Berube. I think he's a fantastic coach. I am curious with the Mm. style that Craig Berube has. Is there a little bit of a short term, shorter lasting uh, effect of the style that he has as a head coach? Or do you think that this can work for the long haul? Can he be a guy that stays in one place for the next decade? I am curious your thoughts on that. Uh, well, I would say this for any coach. The answer is no. I mean, all coaches have a shelf life, some shorter than others, but like 10 years, like Barry Trotz in Nashville, that doesn't happen. Like John Cooper's, I guess the longest tenured coach in the NHL, what is he? Seven or eight years in Tampa. Um, but, but I think what makes, um, coaches like Craig Berube so successful is oftentimes what makes them, instead of being maybe a seven, eight year window, maybe it's a four or five is that the style that he asks his guys to play is challenging physically and it's challenging emotionally. And when you win, the winning seems to rejuvenate your spirit in, and your kind of willingness and ability to go back and do it again tomorrow. If you don't win, then the body and the mind aren't quite as replenished the next night. And that's where you run into trouble. He, you know, he's, he's, listen, he's a player. He gets it, but he's honest and he's hard and he asks them to play a hard style and if you don't have success while doing that, then those kind of coaches probably have a shorter shelf life than players who coaches maybe coach a different style. So in that sense, I understand where you're coming from, and I do agree with you. There's there's probably a limit on on his tenure, but he's not there yet. He's only been yeah. a couple of years, and they're still very good. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this, guys: if you win, you will put up with anything, <laughs> like anybody. Like he can be the biggest jerk. They're like you could disagree with him. You could think he's an idiot and stupid. But if you're winning, like you're going to show up the next day and feel good about yourself, and you're going to get paid, and all the rest of it will work itself out. So as long as you win, um, everyone gets along pretty well. That's well said. Hey, Mike, my final one for you. And I'm going to take you back some time, back to 2007, 2008. That one year you played in St. Louis, there was a guy by the name of David Perron who was 19 years old. Oh wow! Um, who right now is the team mm-hmm. leader in points for the Blues. This guy has been impressive his entire tenure in the NHL, and he always seems to come back to St. Louis. What did you see from that 19-year-old that you're seeing right now on the ice for St. Louis? It's funny you ask that because he was just starting, obviously, not even sure if he's going to make the, the team. And I was moving there and waiting for my furniture and everything else. So we, the two of us, lived basically together in the hotel for about six, seven weeks. So I got to know Davey really well. Um, you know, and kind of showed him around a little bit as he was trying to figure out, you know, how do I eat and how do I pay for things? It's like just simple <laughs> lifestyle stuff, uh, which I, we joke about now. But uh, what I saw then were, were two things that stand out. One, he, he had just ridiculous hands, like incredibly skillful, fluid, quick hands. Stick handling and decision and passing and puck handling, he was gifted right away. And the other thing I saw with Dave um, right away was he carried himself with the confidence of a kid or a player who, who feels he's good. 
And there's a, there's an arrogance that good players have, and, and it's a self belief that they'll they'll be successful. And he had it right away. And you know, when you're 19 and you're a rookie, like sometimes that doesn't always go over the best. But hmm. he didn't care. He's like, you know, he thinks he's good. He's going to play his way and believe in himself, and he and he can do it. And I see him now where I call the games. I see him at the rink, and we talk about it. And he's he's matured. He's grown. He has a family of his own. All the same things that I used to have when I was knew him the first time. And he, you know, he's stronger. He's been around a while, but those same foundational pieces, the hand, the shot, the attitude, they're still there. And I think that's what makes him so good. He's Mike Johnson, former NHL player, current NHL network analyst, and you can watch him on NHL now weekdays at three o'clock throughout the regular season. Mike, huge thanks for the time today, man. All the best to you and the family, and hopefully we'll be talking to you again soon, and hopefully that time they're not playing the Arizona Coyotes. (laughs) (laughs) Although I, listen, if they play Arizona in the playoffs, I'm coming back on. Oh, yeah. Please do. Just to to rehash this. Oh, yeah. Every time, Mike, without question. You're the best, man. Appreciate you. All right, guys. You got it. That is Mike Johnson joining us here on 101 ESPN.